You're listening to episode 47 of Paz de Chipotle. I'm your host, Rocío Carvajal, food history writer, cook, and author. And on this podcast, I explore the gastronomic traditions of Mexico and bring together the voices of cooks, authors, and entrepreneurs who build cross-cultural bridges around the world, championing Mexican food. To find more information about the podcast, please go to pazdechipotle.com. You can subscribe, rate, and leave a review for the show using your favorite podcast app. Hello, and welcome to the first episode of Season 4 of Paz de Chipotle. After a small hiatus, I am thrilled to tell you that pretty much all the upcoming episodes of this season have already been programmed, including the lineup of guests who will be gracing the microphones of the show in the upcoming months. The running series of the culinary traditions of Mexico continues with the last three of seven cultural and culinary regions. So ahead of us are the remaining northern states of the country, the Pacific Southwest, and today the episode will be entirely dedicated to three states that are part of the Bajio region, which is located in central Mexico. I am so thankful with you, the wonderful audience of Paz de Chipotle, for being part of this amazing project, and I cannot wait to start this bright new season of the show with you. So here we go. When I started this series on the culinary regions of Mexico, I had several goals in mind. First, I thought it would give me a great opportunity to map out the amazingly vast culinary and cultural resources that exist across Mexico's 32 states. And considering that all forms of modern segmentations and regionalization are arbitrary, they do give us a starting point of study. So the way I have decided to present these regions is based on my own research and, of course, on that of many specialists. It is only natural that many of such regions overlap, so to the best of my abilities, I have tried to avoid repetition. And if sometimes some traditions or the presence of certain indigenous groups sound familiar, it is because it's inevitable that many practices have over the centuries become part of a common national identity. The states that I'll be covering today are Guanajuato, Aguascalientes and Querétaro, which are fairly small geographically speaking, but in exchange they have had a decisive role throughout Mexico's history. As it has become tradition for this series, the tracks that you will hear at the beginning of each segment is a song that I have chosen to represent the musical traditions of each state. So let's begin exploring the geography of the Bajío. The state of Guanajuato is part of the plateau of the Trans-Mexican Volcanic Belt. I love that term. That crosses with the high plains of the Sierra Gorda. 
This creates a series of valleys surrounded by mountains, creating five microregions. The state of Guanajuato has a considerably stable weather and very fertile farmlands, but one of its most valued natural resources are the large deposits of minerals that have been exploited almost uninterruptedly for nearly 500 years. The name of Guanajuato is the Hispanicized version of the Tarasco word Guanajuato, meaning guanas, that is frogs, and huato, meaning monster. We could say it's like the place where frogs live. Admittedly, I have never seen hordes of frogs in Guanajuato, but I'm sure that long ago there were plenty of them. In the 16th century, Guanajuato became the world's largest silver extractor and to this day is the nation's largest gold producer. Not surprisingly, Guanajuato rapidly became one of the most affluent cities during the colonial period, which enabled the rise of a mining aristocracy. This area is shared by 10 different tribes, including the Chichimeca, Jonas, Otomi, Nahua, Purepecha, Masawa, Mixteca, Mije, Maya, Zapoteca, Tarasca, and Totonaca. The city of Dolores is perhaps one of the most famous locations of the state of Guanajuato because it was there where the Jesuit priests Miguel Gregorio Antonio Francisco Ignacio Hidalgo Costilla y Gallaga Mandarte Villaseñor, also known simply as Padre Hidalgo, rang the church bells calling the people of his parish to join in an armed rebellion against the vice-regal government. This event sparked a chain reaction that culminated in the War of Independence of Mexico from Spain. In a very dramatic turn of events, the priest Hidalgo lost his head, but we won our freedom, and with that entered a whole new episode for our young nation. And another more cheerful and tasty note, famously, the state of Guanajuato is one of the nation's main producers of guava, queens, apricots, strawberries, and cattle, as well as proudly sharing a denomination of origin for tequila, which also graces the states of Jalisco, Nayarit, Tamaulipas, and Michoacán. The semi-arid state of Aguascalientes is the ancestral home of the Chichimeca, who for thousands of years had shared this territory with the Masawa, Huichol, Nahuatl, and Otomi tribes. The heavy Spanish presence in the colonial period meant that many traditions and cultural practices were systematically imported from Europe to the colony. From the early days of the Spanish colonial rule, the establishment of vineyards in Aguascalientes gave this state the almost exclusive production of grapes and wine for a few years. Today, most of the grapes grown here are destined to the production of grape juice, wholesale fruit, and raisins. But the state of Aguascalientes still manages to churn annually around 75,000 liters of wine, which roughly makes about 90,000 bottles. Some of the native crops that still constitute a big portion of the agricultural economy of Aguascalientes are purple, orange and white sweet potatoes, beans, cactus paddles, nopalitos, green beans, wasontle, which is an incredibly nutritious herb, and a wide variety of dried chiles which include pasilla, ancho, vedeño and esmeralda.
The third and last state that we will explore today is Querétaro and arguably is now a reluctant suburb of Mexico City, but proudly maintains its unique cultural identity, traditional music, farming and culinary practices. Settled in this area thousands of years ago are the Otomi, Purépecha, Chichimeca and Nahuatl. It is worth mentioning that the otherwise strange presence of Masawa, Zapoteca and Maya tribes, which are traditionally associated with locations that are thousands of miles away from Querétaro, is due to the fact that in the pre-Columbian world, migrations were far more common than we would otherwise think. Querétaro has undergone a huge transformation in the last 20 years. Magnificent red wines, sherry and brandy are produced. The production of wine in Querétaro dates back to 1655, when the crop was introduced in New Spain. But Querétaro's weather not only benefits the production of wine, it is also great for cattle farming. And that has helped the state becoming a foodie destination and the success of the cheese and wine routes, along with the grape harvest festivals of vendimias, as they are called in Spanish, have attracted an increasing number of domestic and foreign tourism. Personally, I have to say that the fruity red wines from Querétaro are one of my top favorite wines, great for alfresco eating and easy to pair with sweet and savory food. And now, let's begin exploring the delicious food and drinks that await for you at each state of the Bajío. First, Guanajuato. ¡Arre, bula, no se me queden! Mire pues, chula, ya se devisa mi pueblo, ¿eh? Ya vamos llegando a Pénjamo. Ya brillan allá sus cúpulas de corralejo. Many of you might be familiar with dulce de leche, which is a sweet caramel-like spread made with goats or cow's milk. But most Mexicans know that Mexican cajeta from Celaya, Guanajuato, is a true delicacy and a formidable souvenir from visiting friends and relatives. To prepare this dessert, goat's milk is boiled in a copper pot with sugar, vanilla, honey and brandy or rum. And its consistency is much thicker than dulce de leche and is traditionally sold in brown wooden boxes sealed with china paper. The second food I've chosen is from the city of León, Guanajuato, a popular street food dish known as guacamaya. It consists of a crusty bone or bolillo sliced in half and filled with large portions of pork scratchings or chicharrón and topped with ridiculous amounts of salsa made with tomato and arbol chile to which a pico de gallo salsa is added. And now here comes the extreme part of guacamayas. Some people even add pickled pork cartilage known as cueritos, and a lot of vinegary brine in which they are cured. Number three. One of the first dishes from Guanajuato that I actually have memory of ever eating are enchiladas mineras, 
and that is miners enchiladas, literally. And they're pretty much a vegetarian dish made with soft corn tortillas, filled with boiled, diced and sauteed and seasoned potatoes and carrots, with a sauce made with guajillo chile, garlic, onion and tomato, topped with crumbled ranchero cheese, which is a salty and dry cheese, very similar to cotija. Number four, one famous dish made with mostly foraged ingredients is cactus paddle capone or capone de nopales. This indigenous dish is also served as a warm salad or garnish made with tender and sauteed cactus paddles, green tomatillos and choconostle, which is a particularly sour variety of prickled pear, which is a fruit of the nopal cactus. And last, numero cinco, one of my favorite culinary traditions from Guanajuato are the ceremonial otomi tortillas. Coinciding with the harvest festivals, the making of ceremonial tortillas is also part of other important events tied to the religious calendars of small rural communities. So what makes these tortillas so special? There are three elements that are required to make these tortillas. First is the stamp. Traditional cooks create a unique and intricate design, which then is carved into a piece of wood. The second element is the ink, which in this case is of course edible, so a red or purple infusion prepared with different herbs is made by the cooks, and it can include muicle leaves, twigs and cochineal, among other ingredients. And last, instead of a brush, cooks use a dry corn cob to apply the coloring to the wooden stamp before pressing it onto a raw tortilla before cooking it. On this episode's blog post, you will be able to see photographs of these beautiful ceremonial tortillas. Scroll down to this episode's notes to find the link. Our next stop is Aguas Calientes. The very name of this state refers to the many thermal springs that are in the area. So in honor to that, I want to mention just a few of the state's most beloved spirits and drinks, which include aguardiente, made from sugarcane, brandy, wine, and in some areas also pulque is produced, which, as I have mentioned in previous episodes, is a drink made with the fermented sap of some varieties of giant agave plants. Number two, a humble but feeling popular soup from Aguas Calientes is sopa de pan or bread soup, made with large fried croutons served in a chicken broth with tomato, chopped hard-boiled eggs, fried plantain, prunes and olive oil. 
perhaps is not the most common combination of ingredients, but I really think it resonates with many of the traditional Spanish soups and porridges that were very popular during the medieval period and even well into the Renaissance in Spain, which then traveled to the New World during the colonial period. Number three is a very interesting drink called Colonche. Colonche is an alcoholic refresher made with the fermented juice of sweet prickled pears and sugar. Number four. The Bajillos confectionery is particularly famous in Mexico. Most of all for its many fruit preserves and Aguascalientes has quite a variety of such sweet treats like fruit, leathers, aniseed drops, queens and guava cheese and pulled caramel sweets known as charamuscas. And last but not least from Aguascalientes is the famous tong pozole. Like many other pozole soups, the base ingredient is cacahuacintle kernels and they have to be cleaned and boiled to soften them, then cooked in a spicy and piquant broth with pork meat and of course with the tender tips of beef tongue, ancho chiles, oregano, onion and garlic. This pozole is served in a similar way to Jalisco Guerrero pozole with lettuce, radishes, chopped onion, lime, crisp fried tortillas known as tostadas and in this particular case is also topped with pickled chiles. And our last stop of the day is the state of Querétaro. Escobedo, mi bello San Juan del Río, que con Sevilla progreso yo les brindo el cantar mío, bonito pinal de amores, camargo y peña miller, el rincón de peña blanca que su adorno es la mujer. The capital of this state is also called Querétaro, and the beautiful architectural heritage of this little colonial jewel is as colorful as its traditional foods. So let's explore them. Number one, a popular seasonal dish are Day of the Dead tamales, often prepared with blue corn. But let me share a nice legend with you. Hundreds of years ago, there was a great healer slash warlock who had the power to cure people. But he wasn't always able to reverse enchantments or illnesses and people inevitably died. So part of the warlock's duties included visiting the deceased person and wash his or her feet and then order the family to prepare blue corn tamales using that water. And the water was believed to carry the person's essence and pass on good luck to the rest of the family. <laughs> now, it is obvious to me that there is a fundamental flaw in this method, because that doesn't really spell good luck to anyone, but there you go. Rest assured that the Day of the Dead Tamales that are often sold at markets in Querétaro aren't prepared using this method. Número 2 Almost every state in Mexico has its own type of enchiladas, with many variations in the chiles that are used in the sauce, the seasoning and the filling. 
Enchiladas queretanas are filled with fried chicken, hard-boiled eggs, and the sauce is prepared with guajillo and ancho chiles, and topped with sauteed potatoes, carrots, cream, and crumbled queso. Number three, we have charape, and it's an almost type of cocktail prepared with an infusion made with barley, piloncillo or jaggery, aniseed, and cloves. Now, pulque is already an alcoholic drink, whose alcoholic levels increase the longer it ferments. And to prepare charape, this spiced pulque is led to ferment for up to three months, which changes dramatically the chemical composition of pulque along with the flavor. Charape is usually sold chilled and can be easily bought in the streets from vendors. Number four. Although dairy products weren't part of the indigenous diet, after the introduction of cattle, followed by the Spanish conquest, cheese making became an essential part of New Spain's gastronomy. Querétaro is famously one of the most important cheese producers in the Bajío region, with a surprising and delicious range of cheeses made with goats, sheep and cow's milk. Some of these cheeses include Camembert, Gruyere, Manchego, Mozzarella and Provolone, among many other types. And last from Querétaro and the Bajío region, let me tell you that Querétaro is quite famous for its variety of sorbets and ice creams traditionally made using the garrafa method, which consists in using a wooden bucket filled with ice and salt where a metallic container is placed inside and is manually twisted, allowing the fruity blends to freeze gradually. The traditional ingredients often used our seasonal fruits, but there are many other modern combinations like avocado, queso, wine, pulque, and there's even savory sorbets. If you want to know more about this method of making sorbets and traditions of Mexican sorbets and ice cream, I really recommend you to listen to episode 44 of the podcast where I interviewed ice cream and sorbet expert chef Fanny Gerson, founder of La New Yorkina. The Bajío region has been historically portrayed as a perfect example of romantic country life, where large rural states or haciendas overview the fields of cereals and agave, and it was often the cliché setting for many romantic black-and-white films of the golden age of Mexico cinema. Nowadays, the quiet tranquility of its colonial cities, with cobblestone streets and colorful buildings, are often the perfect Instagram background. Guanajuato, Querétaro and Aguascalientes have become the most important manufacturers of the car industry, and there are around 850 industrial compounds. On the other hand, one of the country's most prestigious cultural festivals, called Cervantino, is celebrated in the city of Guanajuato and brings together artists from all around the world. And many other traditional celebrations are still part of the community life at the dozens of magical towns of the Bajío. The Bajío has it all, with romantic landscapes, soulful food and drinks, rich history and, of course, the warmth of its people. And with this, we say adios to the Bajío region.
Thank you for listening. This episode was written and produced by me, Rocío Carvajal. If you enjoy this episode, please help the show reach more people by sharing it and writing a review on your podcast app. Continue your journey discovering the amazing history behind a delicious Mexican gastronomy and learn to prepare a wonderful cultural feast at home with my ebooks, Mexican market food, Mexican fiestas, Mexican street food, Mexican chocolate, and Puebla's great food tour. With dozens of stories, recipes, and vibrant photography, each book is a window into the grand culinary traditions of Mexico. To know more about my books and start the making of your own family traditions, go to pazdechipotle.com forward slash publications. Find the link on this episode's notes. Go to pazdechipotle.com forward slash publications and get ready to cook, learn and enjoy Mexican food like you never imagined. Send me your comments, questions, or reach out to say hi on Instagram, Twitter, or email. You can write me to hello at pasachipotle.com. Well, that's it for this week, my friends. Until the next time. Mm-hmm.